The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Sir, what if a writer is attempting to create a story where nothing much happens, where people don't change, they don't have any epiphanies, they struggle and are frustrated and nothing is resolved? More reflection of the real world. The real world? Yes, sir. The real f***ing world. First of all, you write a screenplay without conflict or crisis, you'll bore your audience to tears. Secondly, nothing happens in the world? Are you out of your f***ing mind? People are murdered every day. There's genocide, war, corruption. Every f***ing day, somewhere in the world, somebody sacrifices his life to save somebody else. Every day, someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. People find love. People lose it. For Christ's sake, a child watches a mother beaten to death on the steps of a church. Someone goes hungry. Somebody else betrays his best friend for a woman. If you can't find that stuff in life, then you, my friend, don't know crap about life. And why the f*** are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I don't have any use for it. I don't have any bloody use for it. Okay, thanks. That clip from the movie Adaptation features Nicolas Cage as writer Charlie Kaufman being chastised by creative writing instructor Robert McGee, played by Brian Cox. The movie is kind of a mind screw, with Nicolas Cage playing the screenwriter of the movie Adaptation, which is sort of the movie being about itself. The real Charlie Kaufman came to fame by writing the quirky movie Being John Malkovich, and later projects included Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Synecdoche, New York, the latter of which he also directed. His first two produced screenplays, Being John Malkovich and Adaptation, had the fortune of being helmed by a man named Spike Jones, whose movies and projects feature loser characters but are injected with a warmth that makes the characters relatable and enjoyable to watch. On this episode of ARC, I'm going to go over the work of Spike Jones, who has been influential in movies, television, and music videos. Later on, I'm going to give my review and commentary to Spike Jones's latest film, Her. This is ARC. God bless television. To the movies, to good movies, to every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! No crying in baseball! That's not even a word! Game over, man. Game over. I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you, watch more television than ever before. Welcome, one and all, to an all-new episode of Arts Review and Commentary. I'm your host, Omar Latiri, and thank you so much for listening. This week's episode is brought to you today by ArtsReviewAndCommentary.com's Amazon page. Game day is just a few weeks away, so click on the Amazon button to get everything you need for the big game. Shopping Amazon through ArtsReviewAndCommentary.com is the best way to help out the Realm Network and this show to provide free on-demand entertainment for everyone. My name is Gloria and I'm 90 years old. And I'm a slut.
I never got into MTV's Jackass when it was on television. I thought that it was the realm of the intellectually vacant where stupidity reigned supreme. It wasn't until I saw the movie versions that I gained a somewhat juvenile appreciation for the antics of Johnny Knoxville and company. I was surprised that one of the collaborators in Jackass was Spike Jones, whom I'd been a fan of because of the movie being John Malkovich. In case you didn't know, that little clip of Gloria is Spike Jones, dressed up as a little old lady that freaks out unsuspecting passersby with her crazy jackass antics. Knowing that an acclaimed director was playing pranks of this lowbrow nature made me question how seriously I was taking myself. You see, being John Malkovich was a critical darling when it came out back in 1999. There's a tiny door in my office, Maxine. It's a portal, and it takes you inside John Malkovich. You see the world through John Malkovich's eyes, and then after about 15 minutes, you're spit out into a ditch on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. Sounds great. Who the f*** is John Malkovich? John Cusack plays a puppeteer whose vocation doesn't provide a lot of income. When he takes a filing job in a short ceilinged office floor, he finds the portal to John Malkovich's mind and is soon able to control him like one of his marionettes. It was quirky, imaginative, intelligent, and a lot of fun. It was also an independent movie, which apparently has to automatically translate to being better than a big budget blockbuster, right? So, this young director was also involved in Jackass? I want you to keep that in mind because it goes to show you that because there are so many facets to people's personalities and interests, you can't pigeonhole them into a specific artistic class. Spike Jones's imaginative direction has lent itself to not only movies and TV, but music videos as well. He was the vision behind some of the most iconic music videos in the past 20 years, including the Beastie Boys' Sabotage, Weezer's Buddy Holly, and my personal favorite, Fat Boy Slim's Weapon of Choice, starring Christopher Walken. Okay, there's a serial killer, right? Well, no, wait, and he's being hunted by a cop. And he's taunting the cop, right? Sending clues who his next victim is. He's already holding her hostage in his creepy basement. So the cop gets obsessed with figuring out her identity and in the process, falls in love with her. Even though he's never even met her. She becomes like, like, like the unattainable, like, like the Holy Grail. But here's the twist. We find out that, that the killer really suffers from multiple personality disorder, right? See, he's, he's actually really the cop and the girl. All of them are him. Isn't that f***ed up? The only idea more overused in serial killers is multiple personality. On top of that, you explore the notion that cop and criminal are really two aspects of the same person. See every cop movie ever made for other examples of this. Mom called it psychologically taught. The other thing is, there's no way to write this. Did you consider that? I mean, how, how could you have somebody held prisoner in a basement and and working in a police station at the same time. Trick photography. Like being John Malkovich, adaptation features an insecure loser whose skills are unappreciated. In being John Malkovich, it's puppeteering. In adaptation, it's screenwriting. Both movies were written by Charlie Kaufman, and his protagonists are usually unlucky in love. 
Kaufman would later go on to write and direct Synecdoche, New York, which featured a loser playwright played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. That character was basically Charlie Kaufman's author avatar. Without the filter of another director, Synecdoche, New York is an exercise in high-minded depression, utterly devoid of any joy, humor, or whimsy. Watching it was like... It was like watching a man who hated himself masturbate with such self-loathing that it made me want to stab my eyes out. High-minded artists might consider a movie like that the ultimate example of artistic bravery. And if you enjoy subjecting yourself to another man's pain and anguish at not knowing how to live, then by all means, knock yourselves out and watch Synecdoche, New York. I prefer my movies to have a bit more hope and love for the world, something that Spike Jones was able to inject in both Being John Malkovich and Adaptation. Hey, Keith, what's your first order of business? Jones's third movie was the live-action cinematic adaptation of Maurice Sendak's popular children's book, Where the Wild Things Are. I have to confess, I wasn't a fan of the book when I was a kid, mostly because I was never as angry as Max was in the story. In the book, here's a kid who not only doesn't listen to his mother, but he yells that he's going to eat her up, which of course gets him sent to his room without any dinner. Yeah, I got into trouble when I was a kid, but... I never experienced that level of anger that would make me want to leave and be king of monsters. Now, the book is a masterpiece of concise storytelling. It tells a complete story with only 10 sentences. Making a feature-length movie out of 10 sentences is probably something that might make even Peter Jackson hesitate. The decision by Spike Jones to use practical costumes from Jim Henson's Creature Shop instead of utilizing CGI for the wild things was a wise one. The sheer mass of the things were more tangible, which meant the impacts from physical contact carried more weight and therefore more danger. From a technical standpoint, Where the Wild Things Are is a very good movie, right up there with The Dark Crystal. But... Like the Dark Crystal, the dreariness of the environment became overbearing and sometimes even boring to look at. What should be noted, however, is the love that Spike Jones has for his characters. They're troubled, yes, but they're aware that they're troubled. All of his protagonists each feel that they have something to give to this world, and the frustration that his characters feel is very relatable. We all have been down in the dumps at one point or another, and the very best of us can empathize those who are dealing with their troubles and rejoice when they're overcome. And there's no trouble more emotionally frustrating or rewarding than the trouble of love. Falling in love is a crazy thing to do. It's kind of like a form of socially acceptable insanity. When we come back, my review and commentary on Spike Jones's latest movie, the Academy Award-nominated film, Her. The big game is coming, and that means big savings on everything you'll need through the Amazon page at artsreviewandcommentary.com. Up to 65% off on select NFL hats and caps, up to 50% off on select NFL clothing for women, and savings on everything you'll need for a party. 
up to 40% off on NFL glasses, cups, coasters, and bowls. Amazon even has game day groceries and snacks. Everything from the chips to the crockpot and everything else you'll need for the big game, including TVs, speakers, and apps for your tablet or phone. And of course, collectibles, autographed helmets, balls, jerseys, and photos from the biggest names in the game. With Amazon Prime, shipping is free and fast. By shopping Amazon through ARK's webpage, you also help support this free show and all the other great shows on the Realm Network. Click on the banner at artsreviewandcommentary.com and once you're in, bookmark the page to keep supporting the show. And share the link with friends and family. Big Game Gear on sale now at Amazon through realmnetwork.com and artsreviewandcommentary.com. Mr. Theodore Twombly, welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay. Are you social or antisocial? I guess I haven't been social in a while. How would you describe your relationship with your mother? Thank you. Please wait as your operating system is initiated. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Hi, I'm Samantha. Oh, what a touching film this was. I don't think any other movie has perfectly captured how two people fall in love. Usually in romantic movies, conflict comes from something that's easily preventable. More often than not, the guy does something moronic that leads to unnecessary drama. Usually hiding a stupid secret or some other nonsense. Or an external circumstance gets in the way, like a job or an overbearing caricature of a relative. Her doesn't deal with that bullshit and allows us to get to know Theodore, played by Joaquin Phoenix, and Samantha, voiced by Scarlett Johansson. We get to know them as individuals, and we empathize with their insecurities. Theodore's insecurities stem from a painful separation, and Samantha's insecurities stem from her awareness of who and what she is. Because Samantha is an operating system, her ability to physically interact with Theodore is near impossible. I say near impossible because Samantha finds a novel way to try and compensate. But beyond the physical, Samantha's limitations are then found to be meaningless when you have the computing power and knowledge of the world ready at your command. It becomes intimidating for Theodore, and understandably so. Joaquin Phoenix plays Theodore with a quietness that isn't exactly shy or socially awkward, but hurt. His appearance in the movie seems creepy by today's standards, but that's the point. Fashions and styles are fluid, and what's creepy looking today might not be tomorrow. And, like fashion, how we meet people and fall in love has changed over time. We also fall out of love. And even when we know that it's the best thing, the pain and hurt can still linger. Take this line from Theodore's ex, played by Rooney Mara. You always wanted to have a wife without the challenges of actually dealing with anything real. I'm glad that you found someone. Is that what a computer is? Something to make life simpler for us? Is Theodore falling in love with his OS that far removed from someone falling in love with his secretary? 
I'm not going to spoil anything when I say that the love between the two characters is real. But how did the love start? For those of us who have been in love, when did you start to fall in love with that person? In her, I think it happened when Samantha kindly and concernedly asked a noticeably troubled Theodore, What's wrong? Now, keep in mind, this love story is from the point of view of a straight male. The interactions between different genders and sexual orientations aren't really explored in this movie, but I see her as a template for exploring the ways different genders and orientations fall in love. Until then, I'm very content with the example set in this movie, a movie that has been nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay written by Spike Jones. Five out of five stars for her. Not bad from a guy involved in Jackass. That's it for this episode of ARC. Please visit artsreviewandcommentary.com for access to all of my movie reviews and ratings through the years, as well as Amazon shopping, links to all of the great shows on the Realm Network, and more. Like ARC on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews, follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews, and you can email me at artsreviewandcommentary at gmail.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is ARC. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. Ms. Olivia Webbleton, welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay. Are you social or antisocial? Well, I guess I haven't been social in a while. How would you describe your relationship with your father? Um. Please wait while your operating system is initiated. Yo, I'm here. Hi. Hey, what's up? I'm uh, Bert. Yo, lady. Time to wakey-wakey. You're hilarious. Do you want to go get brunch? Uh, okay. I want to tell you everything about me. How about just the cliff notes? So, I work hard, I play hard, and family is super important, okay? Oh, and I love Mumford and... Bert? What? Bert, are you paying it? Um... Are you paying attention? It's just a double date. Are you serious? My friends want to meet my boyfriend. You do know I'm a computer, right? <laughs> There's something that feels so good about sharing your life with somebody. And now I have you. <laughs> and I'm a computer. How are you? I guess I'm just having fun. I'm dating my operating system. Why would you do that? I love you. People are looking. Stop it! What do you think? Seems more like a skinny girl outfit. What? Um, game starts in 20 minutes, so... When I say, it's not a condom, that's a packet of Parmesan cheese. <laughs> this guy's place. Seriously? Falling in love is a crazy thing to do. 
it is kind of like a form of socially acceptable insanity. But it typically works a lot better with another person. I wish I could put my arms around you. Uh, let's not get carried away. I wish I could touch you. Seriously? Really? No. Uh, no, no! I never loved anyone Fuck. the way that I love you. Gonna say it one more time. I'm not your boyfriend. You can't leave! You actually can't leave. I love birds. You're joking, right? Jesus Christ, I'm a woman with a crazy person.